0: They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Well, welcome to Bible with the Barbers. And as Terry said, he's not going to be able to be here today. So we're just going to go through some things here and uh, try and learn a little more about the Bible and ask the Lord to help us grow in uh, in love of Him. We don't study the Bible just for the sake of head knowledge. We study the Bible because the Bible is the Word of God, the inspired Word of God, and it introduces us to the heart of our God. We have a Father in heaven who loves us, and we know He's a Father because He has a Son. His Son revealed that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and so our God is not a solitude unto himself. He's a trinity of persons. He's a community of love and life. And we are made in his image and likeness, which we learn in the scriptures. So today we want to look at just briefly the readings for the day, which um, the first reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. And I want to re- look at it briefly because Paul and Barnabas experience a little uh, persecution. There's some people who are jealous of them because they're so effective in getting an audience. They are oh, we can't let these guys have an audience. I mean, who are all, why is everybody coming to listen to them? What about us? And and so they stir up a persecution. And it was interesting. They stone Paul. They drag, they stone Paul and drag him out of the city. Why didn't they stone Barnabas? Well, remember in yesterday's reading, if you read chapter 14, today's is for, chapter 14, 19 through 28 in the Acts of the Apostles. If you read the verse before it, the people there, um, thought that Paul and Barnabas were gods come to them in human appearance because he, they healed a man a man was healed by the power of their word they said be you know just stand up and walk to this lame man and he was healed and they're like oh so they they brought they brought oxen to sacrifice to him and they're like no we're not gods and they they thought that Barnabas was Zeus and it was interesting the monsignor at mass today mentioned that Barnabas was a a, a big man and he was very well built and and he uh, he resembled the statues of Zeus that they had Throughout the the that part of the world, and so you know, it's like we're not going to stone him just in case. Now they, these guys said they weren't gods, but just in case, we we're not going to take it. We're not going to take the chance of stoning Zeus, who's the head of all the gods. Hey, but the spokesman, yeah, you know, we can mess with him a little. And Paul was called Hermes, the spokesman, so um, it was okay. They so they drag Paul out and they stone him, and they think he's dead, and they drag him out of the city and they leave him. But the, the Christians gather around him and they pray. And Paul gets up. Well, they stone him and they think he's dead. Uh, you know, was he dead and came back to life? I don't think anybody says that in the commentaries, but it's an interesting. And what's also interesting is the very next day, after having been stoned, Paul gets up and he goes with Barnabas to Derby to continue to preach the gospel. They have to leave the place where they were because they don't, you know, they already stoned Paul once. So he was stoned and left for dead, but he wasn't dead and um, his mission wasn't ended, but what does it say here? They strengthened the spirits of the disciples and exhorted them to persevere in the faith, saying, It is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And oftentimes Christians today think, oh, well, Jesus did all the suffering. We don't have to. We're not going to have to go undergo any hardships. If I believe in Jesus, all the suffering in my life is going to be taken away. All the pain is going to be taken away. There are people who are still looking for a perfect paradise here on earth. They're thinking that when Jesus establishes a new heaven and a new earth, it means that we're going to have perfect paradise here on earth. No, (laughs) we're going to (laughs) die just like Jesus died. And then we'll go to heaven. And when we go to heaven, then there's no more suffering and no more pain. And we'll still, we'll get a resurrected body in heaven, but it's a spiritualized body. It's real. It's a real physical body, but it has spiritual properties to it. And it's not capable of suffering and death anymore. But that doesn't happen here on earth. As long as we're here on earth, Jesus Christ did not come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. So I just want to point that out. Paul and Barnabas, you know, they tell him, they, they, this is encouragement. This is encouragement, okay? People, are we listening? This is what they consider encouragement. It is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. (laughs) That's encouragement. Why is that encouragement? Because Jesus Christ suffered. And when we suffer, we become like him. We look like him. It also frees us from attachment to sin, from attachment to the things of this world, and it makes us more like Jesus. So that's encouragement. So when we're suffering, try and remember that. And I know it's hard when you're suffering. I, I'm not belittling suffering, and I'm not laughing at you if you're suffering. That's not my point. But there can be a great joy in suffering, and that's something we've lost in Christianity, is that Christian joy, the joy that the apostles experienced in suffering for Christ. And we have to ask the Lord every day, please return to us this joy, Lord. Help us to enter into your joy. There was that, a book that we talked about, last year on, on uh, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, Chiara Corbella Patrio, a witness to joy, a young woman who died in 2012 of cancer of the mouth and in excruciating pain. And when she was dying, her husband asked her, Chiara, Jesus said there would be joy. Is there joy? She was suffering. And she said, I can't tell you the joy. I cannot express the amount of joy that I have. And people used to come to see her just to experience that joy, to be in the presence of the joy. You can, you can get the book. Um, I think it was Sophia Press that published it. Chiara Corbella Patrio, a witness to joy, a young Italian woman who died of cancer of the face, left behind a husband and a child. And yet she was just doing the will of the Father. She just wanted to do God's will, and that was her, what she was trying to do. So in the gospel today, according to John, we have Jesus saying to his disciples, this is John 14, 27 through 31. So this is at the Last Supper. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You have heard me tell you, I am going away and will come back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will no longer speak much with you, for the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me, but the world must know that I love the Father, and that I do just as the Father has commanded me. Well, this is the Last Supper. This is he's going to be, he's, Judas has gone off to betray him, and he's going to be turned over to the, the officials, and he's going to be crucified, and he knows this, Jesus knows this all, but he leaves them peace, and what peace? His peace, my peace I give you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, and this is part of that joy, peace in the midst of, tribu- of the tribulation, the external tribulation, but the peace in our soul that knows and tells us we are living in union with God. And when we live in union with God there is peace even in the midst of tribulation and struggles. And he says, "Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'll come back." And he says, "If you love me, you would rejoice that I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I." Is he saying that he's not God? That he's not equal to the Father? As the only begotten Son of the Father, he is equal to the Father. But in his human nature, he is not equal to the Father. His human nature is united to divinity, but it's not divinity. It's still a human nature. So Jesus Christ can speak as the Son of God, uncreated, equal with the Father, from all eternity existing with the Father, or he can speak of his human nature, which is created And it was created at a specific point in time, at the moment of the Annunciation, when Our Lady said yes to the plan of God. So Jesus is trying to do the will of his Father, and he only wants to do what his Father wills. He is equal to the Father as his Son, as his only begotten Son, by nature, Son of God. But as a man, as as having a created nature, his created nature is not equal the father and yet it is raised to union with divinity and he does that to show us that this is what our destiny is we weren't made for a finality in this world we shouldn't be striving for an earthly paradise because that's not what we're looking for you know just like the jews you know when they left um egypt and that's a that's a sign of our journey out of the things of this world to the things of heaven their journey out of egypt through the desert and into the promised land. It's a sign of it points to the fact that we all want to be with God in heaven, and so Jesus is definitely equal to the Father as His Son, as His only begotten Son, eternal, co-eternal with the Father and co-equal with the Father, but as man, His human nature is raised up to union with divinity, and it's still a created nature. He has a body in heaven. He's still the God-Man. He will always remain that, and you know, that's how he could be a victim. That's how he could immolate himself for the sake of sinners. And he still offers himself in the father's presence for the sake of sinners. Read Revelation five and pray over it. Don't just read it, pray over it. You know, a lot of people say they have trouble meditating. Well, when was the last time somebody hurt you or insulted you or did something unjust to you? And what do you think about all the time? Well, that's meditation. We just need to change the subject. And we need to cease the inner dialogue and stop feeling sorry for ourselves and realize we were called to union with God. This is what Jesus shows us and he makes possible for us. And we can live in union with God. And we, if we are secure in God's love for us, then we don't worry so much about what the world thinks of us. And oftentimes we catch ourselves being worried about what the world thinks and we know then I'm not fully secure in the Father's love. And so ask for it. Lord, make me secure in your love. Perfect love within me. Draw me into this union that you desire for me. It's your desire. You came and paid the price. And he says, I will not speak with you much now because the ruler of this world is coming. And he's talking about the fact that he's Satan. It's going to look like Satan is triumphing over him as he enters into his passion. And I hear that music, it's time to take a break. And oh my goodness, there's so much to say and so little time, but it's okay. Are we praying? <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us on Bible with the barbers and we'll be I'll be back in a few minutes.
2: This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877 526 2151 that's june 15th when your husband comes back from this conference or your son they're going to have a different view about their catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love jesus and his bride the church and are going to instill in them a love for christ and his church the eucharist our lady bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org sign up there or call 877-526-2151 full sheen ahead
0: It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please, prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Well, welcome back and thank you for joining us. Terry's not able to be here today, but I'm here with my guardian angel and we hope the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So um, at the end of this, today's gospel, John 14, 27 through 31a, he says, I will not I will no longer speak much with you for the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me, but the world must know that I love the father and that I do as the father has commanded me. And it's interesting because, um, the ruler of this world, he's referring to Satan, the ruler of this world. And, and that's why, you know, the world, the flesh and the devil are our enemies. It's, um, you know, we don't have to worry so much about the devil. Sometimes we have to overcome our own flesh first, and then we have to overcome the world also And the world. by when the church, when the, scriptures refer to the world. They're talking about that element in the world that's opposed to God, that wants to drive God away. Okay. So we we need to be careful in our own lives that we're not doing that. But again, he has, even though it's going to look like Jesus is defeated because he's crucified, that's not, that's actually his glorification. And it's actually his victory. So in our sufferings, we can offer our sufferings in union with Jesus. And he says, you know, the Satan has no power over him, but he says, the world has to know that I love the father. And what did Jesus tell us? He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he shows us how. He keeps his father's commandments. So we want to follow the example of Jesus. Know that Jesus is not only our exemplar. He gives us the power to do what he commanded. He gives us the power to live a life of union with God. So ask for it every day. Lord, I believe in you. Increase thou my faith. I hope in you. Increase my hope. I trust you. Strengthen my trust. I love you. Let me love you more and more. L- lend me your love, O oh my God, with which to love you, that you may be loved as you deserved, as you deserve to be loved. And lend me your heart, O oh Jesus, with which to love my neighbor, that I may love my neighbor as you commanded. St. Trezevlezu taught us those prayers. And St. Joan of Arc t- teaches us, well, um, Lord, if I'm not in the state of grace, put me in the state of grace. And if I'm in the state of grace, keep me in the state of grace. Constantly pray to live in the state of grace. We can't infallibly know if we're in it, but. Make an act of contrition every day. Examine yourself. Lord, have I offended you this day? <clears throat> sin is a real offense against God who is real. And so we really should feel guilty about it because God loves us. And when we sin, we offend someone who loves us so much that he sent the Father sent his Son, and the Son willingly came and died on the cross. He didn't just come. He could have just come, but he didn't. He came and he died on the cross. He showed us the height and length and depth and breadth of the love that he has for us. So we want to return love for love. So we ask God every day for the grace to do that. And so we're going to get into the Acts of the Apostles here. This is Easter time again. And during Easter time at Mass, we read the Acts of the Apostles. And um, during daily Mass, it's, if you get to go to daily Mass, you get to hear a lot of it. Uh, Sunday, you get to hear some of it. But read in, read in between and read, study the Acts of the Apostles. So the Acts of the Apostles is a, is a history of the early church. But it's not just history for the sake of history, because in the Acts of the Apostles, St. Luke, the author of the Acts of the Apostles, is trying to show us how God has intervened in human history, and what is God's plan for human history. God has a plan, and the Acts of the Apostles is the beginning of the church. It's how the church was spread Jesus had founded the church. He appointed the apostles to go and preach what he had preached and to, to spread the good news about the Messiah. He is the Messiah, the promised Messiah, which he was foretold in the, in the Old Testament. There's lots of prophecies that foretell Jesus' coming and what it would be like. And so now the Acts of the Apostles is relating the beginning of the church. And its aim is to strengthen the faith of Christians, assuring them as to the origin and basis of their faith. Secondarily, it discreetly anticipates the kind of writing typical of the apologists of the 2nd and 3rd century by arguing that Christ's disciples had a right to the same freedom and the same respect as the empire gave to what were called lawful religions, particularly Judaism. So Christianity is not a rival on the scene. It's not it's not a rivaling the other religions in the terms of um, trying to start a war or a rebellion, it's the fullness of the truth that God has revealed, and it's the fullness of what God wants for His people. And so, it gives true freedom, and it gives the full truth, everything that um, you know God had wanted for His people. And the Acts portrays Christianity as an outstanding faith, trusting in God and self-assured, which has no time for obscurantism and the kind of secrecy typical of the sects you know you had the, the gnostics came up very early and they that's the you know the, the gospel of judas and the the infancy narrative of thomas and the gospel of peter and the gospel of thomas these are all they all have this secret knowledge and it's like no that's not what the church is about the church is the apostles are boldly proclaiming in public the resurrection of the lord and and that he is the messiah and so these convictions they can, they, they actually they're not afraid to debate the principles of everybody you know it's Stephen is debating with the the remember that's what he was debating with some of the the Jews of the synagogue of Roman freedmen, as they were called <clears throat> so what gets him into trouble but they're not afraid they're not afraid to spread the gospel they're not afraid to preach the truth in public and there's nothing hidden about it the gospel isn't some secret knowledge some only for a few No, that's Gnosticism and that's not what the the, the Christianity was about <clears throat> And it's interesting because the entire narrative is imbued with this spiritual joy, the joy that I was talking about in the first section, a joy which comes from the Holy Spirit, from certainty about the supernatural origin of the church, from contemplation of the prodigies which God works in support of the preachers of his gospel, from the protection God gives to the disciples despite the persecution they undergo. And the greatest protection he gives us is to hold fast to the faith, even in the face of martyrdom, that we are true to the faith. So the Acts of the Apostles is portraying this to us. Read the Acts. Experience the joy of the early apostles. They rejoiced when they suffered for Christ, when they were beaten or flogged or stoned. (laughs) It's like, I got to suffer something for Jesus. This is awesome. And, And, you know, we've kind of lost that joy. We need to ask the Lord to bring that back. And so... The Acts of the Apostles <clears throat> is addressed to Theophilus, which is interesting because the Gospel of Luke is addressed to Theophilus, and it's it, it, it you know the beginning of the Acts has this address to the- Theophilus, and the book was written before the martyrdom of Paul and Peter, because those are not mentioned in the book. the The book traces the early history of the church up into the point where. Paul is imprisoned in Rome, which is in 62 and 63 AD. And it doesn't talk about the destruction of Jerusalem. So it's written before 70 AD. Um, There's a lot of evidence that, you know, this is, it was definitely written before the fall of Jerusalem. It was written before the martyrdoms of Peter and Paul. And it's interesting because it's very historically accurate. And Luke, as far as we know, Luke was a physician and um, he's, he's, very meticulous in his writings, and he he writes as a typical ancient Near Eastern historian. And he gives you, and it's interesting because uh, the Josephus, the Jewish, Jewish historian, many of the things that Luke talks about in the Acts of the Apostles are corroborated by Josephus and other historians of the time. So we know that the details that Luke mentions in the Acts of the Apostles are historically accurate. But it's not just a history, because it's not just there to tell human history. It has a doctrinal content. It wants to, first of all, teach us about Christ, the Christology of the Acts. It's based on the Gospels, on Jesus' life on earth and his glorification. This is the core of the Gospel message, and that's what it's based on. And then you have the theology of the Holy Spirit, Luke shows that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit and the apostles stay in Jerusalem until they receive the Holy Spirit. And it's when they receive the Holy Spirit that they go out and start preaching with boldness. So the Holy Spirit completes the work of Jesus, that Jesus began, and he he fills the heart of the believer with this confidence. And then there's an ecclesiology there and Luke makes it clear, you know, that um, it's interesting because in the first reading of today's, Luke and Barnabas are appointing presbyters in every church. They appoint men to rule to, to rule the church, not as rulers who command and hand down um, worldly rulers. These are men; they're ordaining them to the priesthood. They're giving them the the power to bring the seven sacraments to the people and to preach the gospel. And so they, these men were appointed and ordained. And yes, there's a common priesthood of all the faithful that by our baptism we participate in some manner in the priesthood of Jesus Christ, the high priesthood of Jesus Christ. We become a prince, prophet, and priest, a princess, prophet, and priest. But the priesthood, the ordained ministry, was, only, was reserved to men because Jesus Christ was a male. He really became man, and not just man. His gender was male, and that's the reality. And so women, although all of the baptized, even laymen, participate in some sense in the priesthood of Jesus in a general way, only the ordained ministers can give us the sacraments. Um, Now, the sacrament of baptism, in case of emergency, can be administered by anyone who wants to, who believes that, you know, who want, Who has the intention to do what the church does to impart supernatural life to the soul? Okay, so if there's a, a need, if there's an absolute need, anyone can impart the sacrament of baptism. But confession, only a priest can hear confessions. Only a priest can confect the Eucharist. Only a bishop can ordain and confirm. And con- confirmation can be shared. The bishop can give priests permission to share um, in his in the bishop's authority to confirm. He can allow, but but only a bishop can confer can ordain, and and of course the sacrament of marriage. It is the the couple themselves who administer the sacrament, but in the p- presence of the witness, official witness of the church, because marriage affects the church, and um, and all of society. And then we have, of course, the anointing of the sick, which only a priest can give. So, the early church. It describes the lifestyle of the Christians, especially their charity. And have we lost this too? We need to get back to that charity where we see the needs of others as our own. And that, no, St. Paul says, your your giving shouldn't impoverish you, but nonetheless give. Give according to what you've inwardly determined and give generously and give with a joyful heart. Give cheerfully. But you don't have to make yourself abject poverty you don't have to impoverish yourself in your giving so you have to know you know how much can i give and you have to determine but we should all give in some manner shape or form and we should give of our time and our talents and of our material benefits okay so um this is just it's a beautiful beautiful testimony to the true history of how the church was founded and um how the apostles went out only in the power of the holy spirit they didn't go out under their own power it wasn't in their own name that they went they went in Jesus' name by the power of the holy spirit so we want to take a look at luke's acts of the apostles and how the church grew and what what the lord is teaching us not just a history like oh that's an interesting historical fact it really has an effect on us here today and it really has meaning for us theological meaning and for our salvation So I hear that music again. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers, and Terry took a break here because he's um, been running kind of long, hard. And so um, we'll be back right after the break. If you want to make a donation, call 877-526-2151. And we'll study more at the Acts of the Apostles.
2: This is Terry Barber, inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is gonna be a day where we're gonna talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877 526 2151 that's june 15th when your husband comes back from this conference or your son they're going to have a different view about their catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love jesus and his bride the church and are going to instill in them a love for christ and his church the eucharist our lady bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org sign up there or call 877-526-2151 full sheen ahead
0: It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please, prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org.
2: Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1.
0: This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barber's on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
1: Thank you, Jesse, for bringing us back. Appreciate that. So in the Acts of the Apostles, Luke begins out, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commandment through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So this is Luke's second book, and his first book is the Gospel, of course, according to Luke. And so what is he doing here? He's, he's telling us that he's going to write down, he's telling Theophilus, and um, Theophilus may have been a real person, but he may have also been, the name Theophilus is a Greek word, and it's beloved of God. So yeah, it may have, there actually may have been a real person named Theophilus, whom he's writing to. And again, by calling him Theophilus, he's actually writing to every Christian because we're all beloved of God and to everyone who wants to hear. God, God loves us all. He wants all of us to come to heaven with him. So he had presented himself, Luke says, over the course of 40 days after his passion, with many, many proofs, and speaking to them of the kingdom of God. And he charged them to stay in Jerusalem and not to leave until they received the promise of the Father. And the promise of the Father was the Holy Spirit. And this is what You know, John baptized with the, with John baptized with water and Jesus told them, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the apostles are going to receive the Holy Spirit and be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they're going to become the witnesses of Jesus. So they're there in Jerusalem and, um, they, but first they, this is, you know, they, 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 Luke is giving the introduction there. He, he always, he began his gospel with an introduction. And he begins the Acts of the Apostles with an introduction, and in verse six he says, "So the, the he's telling the ascension, and he says they all gathered together, and it's interesting, they gather together and they have a they have a question for Jesus that just you know they still here you died you rose you've appeared to us over the course of forty days okay Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? What? Did you hear what they just say? They were expecting an earthly kingdom, weren't they? They were expecting that the Lord was going to establish an earthly kingdom for Israel. And is this the time now? Are you going to establish this? I remember once when I was in college, we had a professor, very good, Father Richardson, God have mercy on his soul, great Jesuit priest, believed in the scriptures, believed that they were with the word of God. And he said, I think this is probably the saddest line in scripture. Here they are. They had lived with him for three years, they had seen his passion, his death, his burial. They they were witnesses to the resurrection and now here it is he's about to ascend into heaven. They don't know that, but he Jesus knows it. And they ask him has the time come are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now. You didn't get it, guys. <laughs> Jesus is so patient with us and we don't always get it right away either. And it's not we don't need to put the apostles down. How often in our life? It's like that. I mean, it's like, you know, there are many people who think that when in the book of Revelation it says, I'm going to establish a new heavens and a new earth, that Jesus is going to establish an earthly paradise like the Garden of Eden. No, the paradise that we're looking for is heaven and union with God in heaven. And Believe me, that union is supposed to begin here on earth. We need to ask for that. Lord, bring me into that union with you that you desire for me. So Jesus says to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So there, the kingdom that Jesus is establishing is going far beyond Israel. From the beginning, God intended that everyone on earth should know him and love him. That's why he made us so that we could be brought into union with him, so that we could know him and love him and serve him. God made us to show forth his goodness and to share with us his everlasting happiness. And we do that. We, we make, that becomes possible for us by getting to know God, loving him and serving him. And so Jesus's vision for his kingdom goes far beyond the confines of Israel. It's not that Israel is no longer. It's now that Israel is completed. And now the mission of Israel, which had been to bring all the nations to God, which Israel hadn't done over and over again, the, Israel had failed to bring the nations to God and had instead fallen into the idolatry of the nations. Now the church is the completion of everything God promised in Israel. And now the church will bring the kingdom of God to all the earth. And we're not supposed to compromise with the world. We're not supposed to take worldly ways and adopt them. We're supposed to show the world the better way, the higher way. You know, To every soul there opens, a way and ways and a way. And the high soul walks the highway, and the low soul gropes the low. And in between, on the misty flats, the rest drift to and fro. To every man there opens, a highway and a low, and every man decides the way his soul shall go. So we need to choose whether we're going to follow Christ or we're going to follow the world. I didn't make that poem up. That's, that poem is, I believe it was Joseph Mary Plunkett. It's in the Legion Mary handbook, in the very back of the book, um, even past the appendixes and the indexes. It was There were some poems in the back. But I, I memorized that as a child, reading that. And I just that we are called to walk the high road and to bring others along with us not to live in debauchery not to live for a finality in this world not to look for an earthly paradise but to strive for union with god in our daily life to ask god to take full possession of us and give god permission to take full possession of us so that we can live in union with him and so jesus is telling him no i've got a bigger plan and yeah that's reserved it's not for you to know the fullness of everything that you will it will be worked out you will see it unfold before your eyes And so, as Jesus is then taken up from them, and as they're gazing at the sky, there were two young men in white robes who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way you saw him go. So, Jesus will come again in the way he went. He was lifted up, but they have to go back to Jerusalem and... They were they had This is Jesus rises from he ascended into heaven from the Mount of all of it. And we know that because it says so. It says in verse 12, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called all of it, which is near Jerusalem, just a Sabbath day journey. And they entered the upper room. And then it, there were staying Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, John, the son of Alphaeus. James, the son of Alphaeus, excuse me, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And so it gives the name of the apostles. Peter's name is always first. In every list of the apostles, Peter's name is always first. And so all of these with one accord, with um, they were praying together. They were praying. And how often do we do this? Do we spend our time praying and asking the Lord for solutions to hard situations for enlighten our minds by the power of your holy spirit to know what is the right thing to do what is according with your will or do we spend time just talking about the situations and oh, wringing our hands and oh isn't this terrible and this awful you know cease the inner dialogue and change the subject of our meditation let's meditate on the goodness of the lord and pray and they were together with some women and mary the mother of jesus and with his brethren so there was a group of people and they prayed they were praying constantly And They're in the cenacle. they're in that upper room where the Last Supper had taken place. And so there's a lot of meaning to that room. And according to St. Peter, Julian, M. Yard, they had reserved the Blessed Sacrament there. And so Jesus is still with them in the Eucharist, veiled under the sacramental signs, but still with them. And their prayer devoted themselves to prayer. And oftentimes in our life, we have big decisions to make, but we get so caught up in the details of making those decisions that we don't necessarily give the time to prayer that we should be giving. You know, when we're making a life decision, we should be asking the Lord, is this according to your will? Is this what you want? Is this going to bring me closer to you, Lord? Is this going to take me away from you? Who am I supposed to marry? What is my vocation? Everybody has a vocation. And marriage, by the way, is a vocation. People are called to marriage. You know, priesthood is a vocation. Religious life is a vocation. And God is still calling people to, he's still calling young men to the priesthood and he's still calling young women to give themselves totally to our Lord in the religious life. But are we listening? And he's still calling people to marriage. You know, a lot less people are getting married these days and unfortunately people are doing things that aren't in accord with God's will and they're living like they're married when they're not married. And that doesn't, that doesn't dignify us as human beings to go against the will of God. It is God who set up marriage and it is a vocation and we're called to live in union with God. And as baptized Christians, our first vocation is to become saints and that is to live a life in union with God. So we need to live that life to the full. And if we live that life to the full, then the other will follow. We'll know what our specific vocation is. And in that specific vocation, that is our sanctification. We are sanctified by the doing of the duties of our state in life. And so then, in those days, Peter stood up among the brethren. Now, what had happened? We, you know, Judas had betrayed our Lord, which, by the way, the scripture was fulfilled. The Holy Spirit had spoken beforehand concerning Judas, who was to guide those who, was, who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was a lot share in our ministry. Now, the man bought a field. With the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. That's kind of a graphic description of what happened to the body of Jesus. Judas, excuse me, Judas, after he hung himself in, in that field, the Potter's Field, right? And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field is called in their language the the field of blood. In English, Alkhamdama Dama. Because it was written, let his habitation be desolate and let there be no one to live in it. So Peter is standing up in the midst of the disciples here now. This is before the descent of the Holy Spirit. This is before Pentecost. And he's standing up as one having authority. And he's reminding them, you know, Judas was one of us. And there were 12 of us. Jesus told 12. And now there's only 11 because Judas left. He betrayed our Lord. And it was all written. It was all foretold beforehand you know, that Judas would betray our Lord. This was all, <laughs> it wasn't a surprise. God knew beforehand everything would happen and he knew who would betray him. Jesus knew, it says that in John's Gospel. So there's that music again and we're uh, looking here at the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. If you have a question, 888-526-2151. If you have a donation to make, 877-526-2151. And we'll be right back with more of the Acts of the Apostles and the beginning of the church.
2: This is Terry Barber inviting you. All the men to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now are saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877 877- 877 526-2151 that's June 15th when your husband comes back from this conference or your son they're going to have a different view about their catholic faith because they're going to meet 3 men who love Jesus and his bride the church and are going to instill in them a love for Christ and his church the Eucharist our lady bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org sign up there or call 877-526-2151 full sheen ahead
0: It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org.
2: Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1.
0: Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment... Call 888 Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome back. So here we are. And I want to remind you all, I do have Bible study on Tuesday night at the chapel, the Sacred Heart Chapel here in Covina at 7, from 7 to 9 p.m. And then again on, two, on Thursday, Thursday afternoon, <laughs> I do the Bible study again from 1 to 3. It's not a separate study. It's just that some people can't make it in the evening. So I, I try and do it twice make it available for people. So you're welcome to join us for uh, the Bible study. There's plenty of room in the chapel. <laughs> so the, um, the habitation of his is to be desolate and let no one live in it. And then the book of Psalms also said, his office let another take. And so Peter stands up in the midst of the, the 11 and he makes this authoritative statement, we need to replace Judas. And um, nobody questions his authority they recognize his place. Jesus has given him this authority. So they say, okay, so we need to pick out two men, men who have been with us from the beginning, from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, and have been witnesses to his resurrection with us. So they, and they um, nominate two, Joseph called Barsabbas, whose surname was Justice, and Matthias, and they prayed over them and they they pray. And the thing is they say, Lord, you know, the hearts of all men, you know, the one you have chosen. This isn't about us. It's not about my determining that this is what I'm going to do for the Lord. It's about the Lord choosing us and following the call of the Lord. What does the Lord put on your heart to do? Then beg the Lord to give you the means that you need to accomplish what he's put on your heart. If a young man is called to the priesthood, then spend time in prayer. You need to nurture that vocation. If you're going to worldly entertainments every day or even, you know, <laughs> several times a week and you're, you're not spending time in quiet time in prayer or spending time with our Lord in the blessed sacrament, how can you know him? He's here. He's here in the Eucharist, really present body, blood, soul, and divinity. He is still Emmanuel, God with us. Vocations can be lost when we don't respond to our vocation in a timely manner, they can be lost. And we need to pray also. We need to pray every day. Lord, what is it you want me to do? And so they pray, you know, Lord, you know the hearts of all men. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place and ministry of the apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. By the way, that's that, to go to his own place. That's a very um, ominous saying. (laughs) Essentially, it's saying he went to hell. And the church definitively defined that at the Council of Trent. And um, Jesus himself said it would have been better for Judas if he had never been born. So as St. John Paul II, when you know, he entertained the question, uh, dare I entertain the hope that no one goes to hell? And he actually said, he responded to that, his own inter, inner, um, you know, these hopes that we sometimes secretly entertain in our heart. And he said, no, I don't dare to entertain that. Because to dare to entertain that hope is to deny the reality of Scripture. It's to deny what Scripture says. So I don't. Hell is real. There's a real possibility that anyone can go there. And we don't want to go there. And Jesus didn't make us to go there. Even at the last judgment, when he says, out of my sight you condemned, he will say, into the everlasting fire prepared for Satan and his angels. It wasn't prepared for men. God wants us to live in union with him here on earth so that we can be in union with him for all eternity. So we need to live in the state of grace. Go to confession on a frequent and regular basis. Avail ourselves of the sacraments. And so the apostles pray. Now they've been praying. They're, they're there together with one accord in prayer. They're praying for this gift that the Lord has promised, the Holy Spirit, and they're together in prayer. And so then they cast lots. That's how they choose them. They have lots, you know, that you have, the, you take the sticks and you break them and then somebody holds them in their hand and it looks from, you know, looking at the hand from the outside, it, the whole the fist is made and the, there are two sticks sticking up and they're both the same size. So you don't know which one is longer and they both choose and, and the lot, you know, whichever lot it was, I, you know, and, and it fell, the lot fell to Matthias, whose feast day we just celebrated recently. His feast day was just a few days ago. So, um, St. Matthias was, uh, was it the 14th? The 14th of May. We just celebrated it. So the lot fell to Matthias, and he was, he was numbered among the 12. He had witnessed everything that Jesus had done in his public life, and he had witnessed his resurrection, his ascension, and now he's enrolled as one of the bishops, one of the first bishops of the Catholic Church. And um, it's interesting, today's feast is the Feast of St. Christopher Magallanes, And it's interesting when I became a young adult and I saw this name, St. Christopher Magallanes, I always wondered because I went to school in grammar school with a young man from Mexico named Christopher Magallanes. And I was like, well, did he die a martyr? Is this the Christopher? I went and I looked at his dates. No, no. 1869 to 1927. Now that's not the Christopher I went to school with, obviously, but, um, you know, interesting, uh, his name was exactly Christopher Mageannus, so every time I see the name, and I it, I ran into a cousin of his recently who told me that actually Christopher did become a priest, and he's serving in the mission, so um, we can pray for the priest, Christopher Mageannus, that his name, St. Christopher Mageannus, will help him to be a good priest and, um, and, and uh, be faithful to his priesthood and bring many souls to Christ, even as his predecessor, St. Christopher Magallanes, who gave his life during the, the Mexican Revolution of the 20s. He was a, worked with the Cristeros, and he heard confessions and um, administered the sacraments. And again, that sharing in the sufferings, okay? We are supposed to share in the sufferings, of the missionaries we're supposed to share in the sufferings of those who are suffering persecution for their faith we should be praying for the friends of jesus who have made the commitment to become to allow jesus to make them saints we should all make that commitment but we need to pray for one another you see they have great great there are great graces to be gained for the church and yes god does he works through his he doesn't god doesn't you know hold all the glory to himself as a matter of fact he wants to share his glory with us and he wants to work in and through us To spread his word. That's what he did. He he appointed the apostles to go and preach the gospel. And he worked miracles through them. And you know what? Miracles haven't stopped. God is still working miracles. And there are many miraculous things going on all throughout the world. People are being converted to Christ. And we need to pray for the persecuted church. We know now that in China the persecution is going to be intensified. There's not going to be a relief for the, the church that has remained faithful. In China, the underground church, there's going to be a great persecution. We know that the church is being persecuted by the Muslims throughout the world, the um, militant Muslims who think it's their God-given calling to kill all the infidels, and that's anyone who's not Muslim. And yet they don't believe in God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They do not believe in God as he has revealed himself, as a trinity of persons, as a communion of love and life. That's how God revealed himself. And they don't believe in that revelation. They have an admixture of the Old Testament view of God with early Christian heretical views of God. And they don't realize the darkness they're living in because they worship God as a slave master. Even the God of the Old Testament was not a slave master. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. And as a child, I lifted him to my cheek and, and so the tenderness of this father relationship. And then also he talks about himself as the bridegroom of his people and the people are his bride. So the God of the Old Testament was not a slave master. And if you, you read it carefully, so the apostles are sent out and they're sent out to bring the gospel, the full gospel. But that gospel includes suffering. It includes trials. And we undergo those trials for the sake of Christ in union with Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit and we thank god because those trials can help us to become humble to give up our sins to give up our attachment to sin and the things of this world if we want to get to heaven we have to give up attachment to everything in this world including legitimate things you know we use things in moderation we we need to follow the lord in his footsteps jesus didn't live a life of debauchery and self-indulgence He lived a life of sacrifice and service. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we too can do that in our daily life. If we do our duty in union with Jesus, everything we do, every breath we take, may every every beat of my heart be an act of love, every pulsation an act of thanksgiving, every breath an act of union of my will with thine, Lord, and of desire for holy communion. For the praise of the glory of your name, that your kingdom would come, that your will be done. And his kingdom is not going to be an earthly kingdom. We need to ask him to give us that vision, that supernatural vision that recognizes, I have no finality in this world. God didn't make me for a finality in this world. He made me for an eternal union with himself. And that union begins right here on earth. Through grace, we begin to live that transforming union with the Lord. This is what we're called to. We're called to transforming union. And it's not just for the few. As Mother Teresa said, holiness is not the option of the few. It's the simple duty of us all. So she told Cardinal O'Connor, give God permission. Give God permission to make you a saint. And pray for those who have already given God permission because all of us will have to pass through our share of the sufferings that the gospel entails. Each one of us has to do our part in spreading the kingdom. And that may just be doing my duty day in and day out in union with Jesus Christ, practicing the presence of God day in and day out as I do my duty and offering everything in union with Jesus for the sake of his kingdom, that his name would be glorified, that his kingdom would come and his will be done. St. Francis de Sales says if you drink a glass of water in obedience to God's will that you have a body, you supernaturalize that act. If you eat your meals in obedience to God's will that you have a body, you supernaturalize those acts. If you take your rest In obedience to God's will that you have a body, you know, God doesn't want us to beat our bodies up and destroy them. He wants us to take good care of them. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so we live in union with Christ by doing what God wants, not by doing what we want. We're not Jansenists and we're not Manichees. Okay. We don't believe that the body is evil. We believe that the body is good and that through our body, we glorify God. Glorify God in your body. That's what it says in the scriptures. Glorify God in your body. So we want to do our part in building up the kingdom of God. And that's what we're trying to do here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And we ask Virgin Most Powerful, please pray for us. Our Blessed Mother, beautiful Mary. She did this. She did it perfectly. Uh, We have a women's conference coming up in September. So please sign up for that. Call 877-526-2151 to sign up September 7th. We also have the men's conference coming up in June with the monthly donor... um, appreciation dinner the night before with the the mass of the uh, personal ordinate in union with the chair of St. Peter beautiful mass I have my Bible study this evening at 7 from 7 to 9 at the chapel and there's one again on Thursday afternoon from 1 to 3 for those who can't come out in the evening we thank you so much for joining us thank you for all your prayers for Jesse for his continued recovery and health and pray for all of us we're all called to be saints we want to live that life of union with God and we need tremendous grace so we just ask the Lord Jesus to pour out his precious blood upon us for whatever healing we need, but also for the courage and strength to bear the sufferings that he asks us to bear in union with him for the sake of his body, the church. I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. No, I didn't make it up. The Holy Spirit inspired St. Paul to write those words down so we would all know that all of our sufferings can be offered in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you again next week on Bible with the Barbers. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg Thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of Thy Spirit and give power to the words of priests so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us.
0: Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.